Yo, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to the awesome.com on the contrary show. I think we only have two of these left before we wrap it up for the season. I'm Dave Lochran at Lafayette underscore D L O U G H Y underscore D for those of you podcast listeners. And uh, well, it's kind of a special show. We do not have Alex Baker, awesome himself, with us today. Had to tend to some stuff in his personal life, totally understandable, but but. We've done everything we could to make sure that this show is going to be fantastic. And I think we've already succeeded because first off, we've got Neil Orfield with us at player QDFS and Ryan. Is it Petnayak? I always get this wrong. Nailed it. Got it. Nice. Okay. Got it. You may know him as Rinpak, two of the best DFS players that are out there right now, joining us to talk a little bit of tournament strategy Get a little bit creative, different for today's show. Try and make some things happen heading into this four-game uh, divisional round weekend. So, boys, Rimpack, how we doing, man? Doing great. Excited to be on. Uh, talk some NFL. Uh, it's, I believe, my second NFL show ever, but very excited to talk some NFL with you and Neil. And uh, there's huge prize pools yet again, and there's money to be won and uh, strategies to be talked about. Neil, you and I have done a lot of short slate content. Uh, most of it irrelevant 30 minutes after we, after yep. we record, but, uh, nice to have you with me on a slate where, well, we don't have to really worry about any of that. Yeah. I feel like we're, we're more likely to have this one be relevant at the time yeah. of the actual game. So I'm excited to be on with you. Yeah. This is my, my third on the contrary. And, uh, every one of them has been different. The first one was me, you and Alex. Second one was just me and Alex. And now I get, get Rinpack here with you. So this will be fun. Yeah, man. And happy to have you guys with us as always. Hit that thumbs up if you haven't done so yet. It helps us greatly. Got to combat the algorithm. Or actually, I should say feed the algorithm around here. Got to play the game sometime, even if we don't want to. So hammer that thumbs up if you haven't done so. And subscribe to the channel. If you hate it, we'll gladly refund your misery. Just unsubscribe. I don't think you will, though. We got content all the time for every sport, whatever you're looking for. Uh, the preeminent DFS YouTube channel out there. So join us, join the team. And if you want to join us here, get the custom emojis, the free super chats each month, the badges, as you can see right there in the chat. And of course, always priorities when it comes to comments and questions and good stuff like that, along with our premium discord members, hit that join now, right after you hit the thumbs up button, it's directly under that. All right, fellas, let's kick it off. So here's what I did today. Since both of you guys have had, uh, a lot of success in the DFS space and in short slates as well, which I think is really important heading into an abbreviated one like this. I, I want to get into a little strategy and then we'll start talking about the players because we talk about the players all week long. Um, Rimpak, let me go to you first. When you got a slate like this, it's not a two game or three. You got four games and we have a ton of good players. DraftKings specifically has made pricing a little bit more palatable with a lot of these guys too, but how many players are you willing to play against your defense on a four game slate like this? It's always the magic question on a short game slate. I've gone a little wild before at times uh, I'll have some fluky lineups and sometimes I think I get a little too cute of late. What I've been doing is I've been willing to roster up to three or maybe sometimes four because defense is so random. But one thing I wouldn't do of late is play the quarterback and the opposing defense. Uh, just because if the quarterback is popping off with the, correlated stacks it's at the cost of the de uh, defense and that's where i'm going i don't think there is honestly a quote-unquote right answer you could tell me you could play the quarterback and the opposing defense let's say the defense starts off the game with a pick six awesome game script for the quarterback to take it down so it's the magic question i think uh i'm fine with going up to three to four i get a little nervous when it's five or six that's a little too much for my liking yeah i mean that's a lot but it is a weird thing neil where you know, if a really cheap defense allows you to get a great team in and really none of the defenses pop off with defensive touchdowns. Granted, last week was wild because we had a bunch of blowouts. I mean, just a, a ton of spots where even on the on the primetime game on Monday uh, where you just had, you know, defend another defensive touchdown. We saw a lot of that and a lot of blowouts and, and low scoring games on one side. But when you've got four games such as this one, especially with DraftKings running a milli for Saturday and Sunday combined slate, are you setting any limits? Is it two? Is it three? Is it four? Uh, and are you really looking to fade any defenses or are you cool getting whatever it is? Yeah, so this is weird because it's really kind of a 
tweener slate, like on, on two or three games, I'm willing to get totally wild and play six players against my defense potentially. And then on full slates, I don't play any players against my defense. I think that I'm right with Rinpak in terms of the number of players I'll play against my defense. Probably three or four is going to be the limit that I set this week. Um, but I think that I am on the other side of, I think I will play opposing defenses against quarterbacks sometimes just for the reason he stated if there is a pick six this weekend it does set up the opposing offense pretty nicely because they'll be like i mean it just means that the other team has scored and they get the ball right back so i think on a four game slate i am willing to do it i'm not going to set a rule against it uh not something that i'm especially targeting like i do sometimes on the really short slates and on showdown sometimes i like to do opposing defense against a quarterback it's not something that i'm targeting in a four game slate but i think i'll allow it to happen sometimes Neil, just to kind of set the table here a little bit further once before we jump into it, how many unstacked players are you willing to play in the same lineup, not paired with the quarterback? I mean, so you got four, four games, eight teams. Are you willing to go wide receiver, wide receiver without a quarterback, maybe in just like a mega game stack or something like that? Yeah. So that's a good question. I, I, not something that I typically, I know it is something I typically set a, a rule for on large slates. How many, players from an offense without the quarterback it's probably somewhere around four three three or four probably don't want to get more than that uh just in the case of you know an offense where you have a lot of expensive options i'm trying to see if there's any offenses there's no real offenses this week that totally fit the bill of you know you can get to i mean i guess the chiefs to some extent with tyree kill uh, and Travis Kelsey if you want most them. of them have some pretty affordable secondary yeah, options that's outside the, of the top guy yeah that's the hard part is that it's kind of it's not a slate that's built up to have a lot of good uh, options from the passing game or, or the rushing game without the quarterback. So on a slate like this, maybe not more than three. Um, I, I think that's probably going to be about the most I'll get to is probably three players from the offense uh, without the quarterback in this one. What about you, Ryan? Yeah, I think I agree with Neil there. And one thing DraftKings historically has done for these divisional round and conference championship game is. They want to get as many people to just come and play their site. So they really soften up the pricing for the casuals to jam in their guys. And that's why we never see these price tags on guys like Stefan Diggs and Tyreek Hill at these respective price tags, just because they don't want people uh, to yank out their hair to play the guys they like. So in a situation like this, when these guys are priced the way they are, I'm fine uh, getting a little bit more crazy. Like I'm okay getting running back wide receiver tight end with no QB um, there are ways this can pan out. Let's say if Rodgers and Adams light it up for three touchdowns against the weak San Francisco secondary, I can get the exposure to the uh, Bills offense between Singletary, Diggs, and Knox, and I think that could definitely pan out. Uh, there are so many different ways, and especially in NFL, the variance is through the roof. Touchdowns mean everything. You're going to need all the touchdowns that happen in these four games to win the Millie. So I think being a little loose on that is fine. I completely understand what Neil's saying. But I think it's completely fine if you don't have the quarterback and you have three uh, other offensive players in your game. And there's also a lot to be said about a lot of those lineups being part of game stacks where you are stacking the other team with the quarterback. Like the Rams, Tampa could be a huge shootout. Both of these teams have the lowest game script adjusted pass play percentage or rush play percentages in the league. That tool's free at Osmo, by the way, under the advanced stats tab. Uh, and then Buffalo and KC monster total of this game turns into a shootout and you end up having like dig singletary and and davis on one side and on the other side you've got a kansas city stack like that could absolutely pan out yeah and that's something you can do in fantasy courts too. you can say limit yep. number of wide receiver running back tight end unless paired with quarterback or opposing quarterback opposing so it's pretty, quarterback, pretty yeah. easy to set up if you're using an optimizer and obviously easy to do on your own if you're hand building right exactly and we've got the fantasy cruncher add-on you can check out or the, or the lineup builder. If you're just looking to go, you know, straight hand building, single entry, three max or whatever it is. So, uh, yeah. Okay. All of that stuff is what I wanted to touch on. One more thing, one more thing, Neil. Um, usually people talk about just the, it, 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 there's not a real positive correlation between running back wide receiver. It's not a good play on larger slates. Most people would say, at least I know Alex is usually opposed to this going running back wide receiver pairings without the quarterback. But it seems like both of you guys are 100% willing to do that. I mean, Ryan already said it, but Neil, uh, two, like wide receiver running back, perfectly fine without the quarterback on this slate too, right? Yeah, I mean, it's a four-game slate. You kind of have to 
allow that. And, and I do that even on full game slates. I allow a running back and wide Me receiver too. from the same team. I just set it typically as a max two. Um, but on this, yeah, like I said, I think it'll probably be three, maybe even four uh, offensive players without the quarterback for me on a slate like this. Ryan, are you going to allow any spots where you could end up with like an Aaron Jones and an AJ Dillon or a Cam Akers and a Sony Michelle? Because that's when we start to get a little dicey. That gets a little dicey. And there for the longest time, I um, now with four games, it's, compared to two games, it's a very, very different slate to how to approach it because it pretty much doubles. The player pool absolutely doubles. And that, and that is where it gets a little uh, negatively correlated. At times, there was a time where you could play Kamara and Ingram when the uh, when the Saints were going to the playoffs over and over again. That type of duo, I, it would make sense in a high uh, projected total in Dylan and Aaron Jones. You're going to get a very different build. The opportunity cost is a cheap Leonard Fournette, who I think is a great value play, and an underpriced, potentially healthy Derrick Henry. And I just don't think it's all that necessary. And for that to happen, uh, I, I do think you want both of them to get two touchdowns apiece for you to win, win it all. That's how I'm trying to project their ceiling. Like you want your running back to get two touchdowns in a, win, a million making a winning lineup more times than not. And I just don't think the offense goes through that against the weak San Francisco secondary. And, and Neil, it becomes even more difficult, right? When you have uh, an Eli Mitchell sub 6K, a Devin Singletary sub 6K, um, like Leonard Fournette, as, as Ryan pointed out, 5,700. There, there's so many discounted running backs. It's not just wide receivers that DraftKings is priced down. Most of these running backs would be wildly underpriced if this was a regular season week. Yeah, it does make it difficult that there are just so many options and you have to you have to have both of your running backs beat them because of the pricing being so soft. I'm trying to look through and see if there are any teams that I might be more comfortable with than others. I kind of wonder the Chiefs maybe. Uh, just because they're all so cheap and you can kind of take stabs on. If it's I have no be, idea think, what to do with that team in the backfield. I mean, nobody does. That's <laughs> I think that's uh, the thing about them. But uh, if they split carries, Clyde Edwards, Alaire, Jarek McKinnon. Yeah, yep. I think Rinpak is right that you really you're you're hoping for two touchdowns apiece, but there's at least a scenario where one of the touch, one of the running backs has 100 yards and a touchdown, and the other running back has a touchdown and you know several catches. Or I, I think there are ways to get there without two touchdowns apiece, just because. You know, we're, we're working with PPR or half PPR on FanDuel, uh, and they are cheap enough on DraftKings that maybe I could see, see myself getting there with uh, Clyde edwards Zillair and Jarek McKinnon. But I agree with, with Rinpak that it's pretty tough on this slate. This isn't a slate that uh, it's particularly easy to get to two running backs from the same team, especially with the four games instead of two last week. All right. Well, let's do it, fellas. Before we do, let's uh, say hello to our sponsor, Prize Picks. If you haven't checked it out yet, well, there's no reason at this point not to, because not only do you get a hundred dollar up to a hundred dollar first match deposit bonus, but now if you use a link in the description or the one that our wonderful producer Tyler Xander's going to or already threw in the chat, use that link at a free month of Awesome Plus Platinum ninety dollar value. Everything on the site, not just football. So you know when you've got a little bit of a, a layoff here heading into the Super Bowl, or you've got the whole week to deal with 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 no NFL DFS. You've got basketball, you have PGA, you have MMA, everything out there. If there's content for a contest for it, we have content for it. And we have a free player prop tool as well to use on prize picks, which is a daily prop based contest where you're just building lineups, two through five prop lineups, taking the over or the under. There's no juice on either side. And I say this every time, but it's, it's pertinent every time. Unlike other traditional books, if you if you hit four or five legs, on, on another book, you get, you're, you're done, right? The parlay's busted. You go home empty-handed. At prize picks, if you hit four or five, you still 2X your entry. If you hit three or five, you still make money back on your entry. You're not going to find that anywhere else. So it's a great place to make money, give yourself a chance to 10X on a five-player lineup. Or if you do a four-prop uh, power play and you hit all four of those, you 10X. You, you give yourself a chance to hit some big payouts but also have a you know sustainable way of playing where you're not just firing off crazy parlays each time and hoping that you hit all five legs. So check it out. It really is cool. Uh, I know everyone that signed up through us has loved it. And if you haven't done so yet, you can go to prizepicks.com, the app store, download it there, the Google Play Store, wherever you want. Get your free month of Awesomeo, though. You got to use the link and use the promo code Awesomeo, A-W-E-S-E-M-O, 
to get set up right away, get up to $100 deposit bonus when you do that. So check it out, prizepix.com, App Store, Google Play, wherever it is, and get a free month of Awesome. Come hang out with us. Join the Discord. Join the Office Hours channel where you've got the pros answering your questions, helping you better your game, and use all of the tools built by the number one ranked DFS player out there, Awesome himself. I mean, if that if you're not sold there, I don't know what to tell you. You're just doing it wrong. Prizepix.com, sponsor of On the Contrary. All right, boys, let's make it happen. First question, I'll go to you, Neil, and this is a big one. Derrick Henry is expected to be activated from the IR today. I was watching some practice footage of him earlier this morning. He looks pretty good, man. And if Derrick Henry plays, the big question now is how much work does he get? I personally think that Vrabel's just being coy here and that Derrick Henry is going to get a pretty substantial workload. But where do you come in on this? Because he's the cheapest he's been all season by a wide margin. Yeah, I mean, I think none of us have really any way of knowing unless we hear more from camp. But I think I'm on the same page as you. I'm going to be playing plenty of Derrick Henry. I'm going to be playing him as though he is a workhorse back. We only have him projected for 25% ownership. So I think that I'll probably come in over that number just because Derrick Henry at 7,500 is really enticing. He's probably more like a 9K running back uh, if he is getting his full workload. So I'm willing to take that bet when the field isn't really getting there as much as I would expect them to on a four-game slate. Um, so yeah, I think I'm on the same page as you. I'm expecting Derrick Henry to be full go this week. Um, and of course we could be very wrong. Like we, I was at least uh, on several running backs last week. So I don't think we can be too comfortable with any of these kind of bets with running backs coming off injury, but I think that I would expect Derrick Henry, uh, especially to come back and, and be fully healthy. I'm on the same page as you. Yeah. I was very not right on Cam Akers last week, but what are you going to do? He wasn't even that good. He just got way more work than I thought. And I liked Sonny Michelle a lot, but uh, I listened, I listened to your, your marathon matchup show. I got through the whole thing once again this week. Uh, and I heard, it. I heard you guys, I survived the marathon matchup show. Yeah. I was, I was sort of on the same page as her. I watching it. I thought he looked great. Uh, and then I hear you and Matt Kajeski both talking about how he didn't look great. And I feel like uh, I know, I know Matt watches a lot of football. So I think, and I know you do too. So you guys probably have a better eye uh, than I do for, for how a player looked to me. He looked like he was at least fast and kind Kind of broke some tackles sort of at least plowed his way forward so um he was actually the one with the one that i got right probably just because it was a showdown so i was willing to take that risk whereas the other running backs all of the the jarek mckinnons and uh and geo bernards i did yeah, not get yeah. those those right at all where are you at rimpact when it comes to derrick henry like foreman's filled in admirably but he is not derrick henry I mean, derrick henry's a one of one and one thing about Mike Vrabel is uh, he's 8-0 outright with nine days in between games. Uh, that's outright against the spread. He's just a stud coming off with nine days in between games. And this sets up for even if Derrick Henry 70% with like an injection of Toradol, I think he's going to crush. Uh, you give me that. Uh, he, I'm all about going to Derrick Henry. This sets up for uh, Derrick Henry to return. And maybe there's some sort of recency bias of people like worried about him coming back from injury. But I think Henry would have been good to go last week. They need Henry to win games. Uh, they only, if they don't play him today, I mean, if he's not good to go now, their season's done. Uh, so give me Henry. There's been a lot of talk around like NFL Twitter that Titans are the worst number one seed in the history of the league, but uh, they're the one seed. And I think it's on the backs of Derrick Henry. Uh, I like Derrick Henry quite a bit. $7,500 is honestly just too cheap. I. Totally agree. I mean, look, the guy is still what top 10 in rushing yards on the season. And he played, or maybe it's top 10 in touchdowns. I don't know, but either way, he, he's, he's spectacular. And, you know, the thing about Henry is he has that breakaway speed that is shocking. It really is. I mean, when you watch him break away from that, from the secondary, you think there's no reason they shouldn't catch him and they, they never do. So even maybe if he is somewhat limited, and I don't know if he will be, he still has that 70, 80 yard uh, touchdown potential that, that is not really the same you'd see with a lot of these other running backs. So I plan on getting to, to a decent amount of him. I, I do want to pivot then, Ryan, to, to Cam Akers. I, I'm actually shocked right now. And our ownership update, we haven't updated since yesterday. Well, we should have an update soon. I'm shocked that he's pulling the same ownership as Elijah Mitchell right now uh, and how flat the running back position is in terms of ownership that, you know, he's only a few percent less projected owned than Devin Singletary than Joe Mixon. I, maybe, maybe I'm just a hater and I like Cam Akers, but I, 
Like this is a real pass funnel defense in Tampa Bay. It, it just seems odd to me that the Cam Akers is as popular as all of these other running backs who uh, are in better spots or are just projected better than he is. So where are you going with Akers? Yeah, it's honestly, I feel um, that's one thing, I guess I want to back away from Akers a little bit. I just think it's the way the Tampa, uh, Tampa Bay operates their offense. It forces the other team to throw a lot. We saw what happened last week and, and not saying, um, just going to force Matt Stafford to throw a lot. I think operate out at the empty set more. I just don't want to go to Cam Akers. Uh, I know he looked he looked really spry. Uh, it's uh, for lack of a uh, it's a shorter week for them. Uh, I know he's coming back from Achilles injury. They did play on Monday night. I think I'm going to shy away from Cam Akers, and it could easily we could easily see uh, Sony Michelle. Uh, get the goal line work out of nowhere. So I, I'm a little less confident in a guy like Cam Akers and just because I think there are better spots than him to go to uh, on this four-game slate. So I just don't feel as confident. I just think the opportunity cost of potentially missing out a on a three-down back, Lenny Fournette, on a Derrick Henry return, a ch- underpriced Derrick Henry, I think I'm just sacrificing a little too much uh, for going for an uncertainty play in Cam Akers uh, this weekend. It's crazy, Neil, because with our uh, the game script adjusted rush play percentage tool that we have, four of the eight teams that are still left in the postseason have the four lowest game script adjusted rush play percentages. Tampa is the lowest at 34.5%, and the Rams are essentially tied with Kansas City for second lowest at 37.8%. Yeah. So, so I'm on the, I'm on the same page uh, as Rinpak. I'm probably not. And, and as you, I just think that there are so many other options that I would rather get to that. The only way that I'm likely to get to a lot of cam makers this week is if his ownership comes down. Currently we have him at 17.4% projected ownership. And that is just very similar to, I mean, it's a little bit less than Leonard Fournette. It's about the exact same as Eli Mitchell. There are just other running backs that look so much better that, you know, I, I might play Cam Akers if he were 5% owned, if he, if he was the play that I could play to get contrarian. But you're not even getting contrarian currently at, at our projected ownership. So, yeah, I think uh, with, with the Rams passing as much as they do, going against the Bucks defense, and he's not really much cheaper than these other running backs, and you don't get an ownership discount. I just, we don't have the incentive to play Cam Akers that we had, for example, on the showdown slate when he was just not going to get owned enough and we we're willing to take that risk. There's just no real reason to take the risk on Cam Akers in an offense that doesn't like to run against the tough Bucks defense. So I'm on the same page as you guys. I don't think I'm going to get into a ton of Cam Akers this week. All right. So I mentioned it earlier, Neil, just a minute ago that. Ownership does seem flat for running backs right now. I'm assuming when we get an update, we're going to see some kind of heavy changes. Maybe I'm wrong. It, it, I could definitely be wrong in this, but like even up to four net at that price, if he plays and, and Arian said he won't play unless he's able to go at full speed. And I still don't know if he is. Uh, we've only had access to like the open portions of practice and he kind of was just limited, but from Mitchell to Singletary to Fournette to Mixon. None of those guys are getting steamed right now from an ownership standpoint. How do you approach something like this where we've got some cheap, really good spots for running backs, or at least from a volume standpoint, but none of them are all that popular? Yeah, so I mean, I think that it will update. Once the tools update, my guess is that we'll have a better idea of where to go to. I think to some extent, I just I trust the tools. Um, so... You know, right now, Eli Mitchell looks really good. Uh, actually, Cam Akers looks really good in the tools. So everything that I just said, uh, if, I, if I'm following the tools, Cam Akers has, has a very positive leverage score in terms of his he's, uh, optimal 24.4% of the time currently in the boom bust. But I'm just more comfortable going to guys like Devin Singletary, who's not a lot more expensive. Um, you can kind of factor in correlation a little bit if you're going to be stacking up the Chiefs-Bills game, which I think a lot of us probably will be doing. Uh, then you probably want more Devin Singletary than Cam Akers. It's really it's it's tough to make those decisions on a week like this where there are so many options that all look really cheap. Uh, and I think on weeks like this, it's more important than ever to just kind of follow what the boom bust tool tells you. You know, and you, you can't follow it exactly. You can't, uh, I don't play, you know, players in line exactly with their boom percentage or their optimal percentage. I kind of, you know, it's, it's more of an more of an art than a science, I'd say. Uh, but in general, you can get an idea of who looks like a good play uh, ownership relative to optimal lineup percentage uh, and kind of 
you know, make, make lineups factor it in those kind of numbers. Why Montello and Chad asked if uh, Dante Foreman is a, a good, you know, sneaky guy to get in this week. If, if Henry's limited, I still think there's, there's no reason to do that for all of the reasons we just talked about with pricing. I mean, he's the same price basically as Eli Mitchell and, and Devin Singletary. And I don't know, Ryan, he, he has no pass catching upside either. So even if he shares with Derek Henry, you're looking at a spot where, even if Foreman gets like 10 or 12 carries, you're still now you need two of them at least touchdowns or a touchdown and a hundred plus yards. It seems like the the likelihood that he gets there is insanely low, even if Henry isn't getting 30 touches himself. Yeah, the only way I see even uh, Foreman getting 10 to 11 touches is is if Tennessee is absolutely clapping the Bengals. And like in the sense that's like on the backs of Henry getting there, honestly. And like if the game's so blown out, they're just bringing in the backups for that last final two drives. And I don't expect that type of game script. So honestly, on a four game slate, I think a play like Foreman is a little too cute because I think you can do uh, there's the, these guys are all these studs are priced so cheaply. Uh, so I don't I think that's a little too cute for my liking. And just looking at the running back position as a whole. And one thing I do want to touch on in that Tennessee game is on the other side, I'm shying away from Joe Mixon a little bit. Uh, Tennessee's elite against the run. Uh, Tennessee's absolute elite. In during the season, only two, I think, four running backs only went over 55 rushing yards. Two of them, uh, two times. Sorry, it happened four times, and I think two two times it was Jonathan Taylor. And they've only uh, the most they've given up uh, in terms of carries was 18. That was to Rex Burkhead in Week 11 and James Robinson in Week Five, and no one else has even crossed 16. So something like that has me shying away from Joe Mixon, and it's just it just gives me a clearer path and a narrow running back player pool for me this weekend where it's Derrick Henry, it's Lenny Fournette, and it's potentially springing those Green Bay guys. And one thing with Eli Mitchell is he has to compete against the wide back in Debo Samuel. And it's so frustrating because Debo Samuel is such an amazing player. He's involved in so many uh, facets of the game. Uh, Shanahan just maximizes the potential out of him. I'm also scared of Eli Mitchell, but I got to play two running backs on the slate. And I think it's going to be Fournette and Henry most more times than not. Uh, no, I think you bring up a, a, a perfectly valid point. Uh, I will. The only, the only, if I were to play devil's advocate here, because I do think I like Mitchell a little bit more than you do uh, is first of all, the whole fact that, that Debo Samuel is getting opportunities of run, run game doesn't make me feel great, especially when, and we don't know if Henry will be the lead. He might be, but he might not be. Uh, Mixon is, so that's the one thing there. Like P. Ryan and Chris Evans aren't going to get any touches, but it's a tough matchup. Uh, you should see a split in Arizona. Uh, I do think Aaron Jones will get a little bit more than he has in the past. But like the even the Rams, we, you talked about it. Sonny Michelle could be getting goal line. We don't know. Uh, McVay's willing to mix it up. Uh, but And then with Kansas City, who the hell knows what's going on there? I mean, Singletary is the one real lead back among – uh, most of these guys, but Eli Mitchell has touched the ball a lot lately. I mean, since week 10, 27 carries, 27, 22, 21, 21, and 27. So yes, no doubt Samuel takes away from that, but this team wants to run the football. So I don't think they really, I don't think he cannibalizes or really takes a, vultures as much in between the twenties as we think, just because they might run the ball 30 plus times again. I agree. And I think if the 49ers want to win, they got to use that run gap. Scheme. Absolutely. And it's on the backs of blocks like use and George Kittle. And that's why I do think Mitchell is a much better play than Cam Akers, uh, just because of, I think for uh, Shanahan to scheme up the win, it has to go through the guys of Mitchell and Debo Samuel. And I, I, that's why I, I do think uh, I'm, I do think Mitchell is a good play. He's a much better play than Cam Akers in the situation. That's how I feel. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And, and Neil, another thing, we had somebody in chat say, take the two running backs that seem like they should do. Oh, no, never mind. I thought, I thought he was saying something entirely different. I'm not even going to, I'm not even going to reference that. But uh, when it comes to a guy like Singletary, I think he should get the pass catching work if they fall behind or if they need to throw. Uh, Fournette is another one on a pass first team. I, when you're breaking down the running backs, since this is, we talk a lot of strategy on this show as well. What is it you're looking for in them to, to prioritize them above the other guys? Yeah, so, I mean, obviously it helps a lot if they are targeted in the passing game, especially on DraftKings, full PPR that just ups the floor, ups the ceiling. Um, I also, I look for game script to some extent, who's going to be involved late in the game. 
Um, yeah, so volume and, and, and I look at the defensive matchup to some extent. I look at uh, rush DVOA uh, on fan on football outsiders is kind of something that I factor in to some extent. So there's a lot of factors uh, for me when fa- when when choosing a running back. It's uh, you know the running backs metrics himself, and then it's also the matchup metrics. Uh, for me, I really like Eli Mitchell just because this is a great matchup for them against the Packers who are 28th in rush DVOA per football outsiders. I love that. And I think that uh, before looking at these numbers again this week, I've always I feel like a lot of people uh have seen how good Debo Samuel is and how he rushes. And when they give him rushes, it seems like he scores a touchdown every time. So we all, that kind of scares everybody away from Eli Mitchell, including myself. I think that's kind of a bias that I have. It scares us away because it just seems like Debo Samuel is getting so much of the rushing work, but Eli Mitchell, like, I mean, you just, you just read off the numbers. He's been getting over 20 carries every week. He had one week there with five receptions. Uh, so he's getting plenty of work and at 5,800 against the Packers, if the field is going to be scared away by Debo, Debo Samuel, which I understand for sure. I mean, I, I have that same kind of instinct, but just thinking about it a little bit more, if he's going to be under 20% owned, I think I'm going to go kind of heavy on Eli Mitchell. I think he, he's a running back that I really like in this spot. All right. I wasn't discounting your take, uh, even though it won last week, I, I thought it said something different, but now I will say it. Take the two running backs that seem like they should do nothing. Put them in. The, put them in. Those two are the two that will win. It's a totally different approach from last week because I'm assuming you're referencing Jarek McKinnon and Gio Bernard, who were both objectively good plays. If you're referencing somebody else, please tell me. But Gio Bernard had no Leonard Fournette. Like if if Leonard Fournette is out this week, Gio Bernard is going to be more popular than he was last week because he had like 15 carries and all the passing down work. And with Jarek McKinnon, I, I don't know. Am I off base here, guys, to say that it's a lot different than last week and we don't even know if these guys are going to be out? No two slates are the same. You can't look at right. any slate as the same as before. You kind of dust it off the memory, take the key high-level data points and try to use that into processing a win into t- uh, this upcoming slate. So no two slates are the same, just like no two days are the same. And you just kind of take the important data points and try to apply them uh, into the next day. Uh, that's how I would approach. That's how I approach it. Uh, maybe Neil approaches it a little differently. I, I do think he approaches it quite similarly. Yeah, no, I'm on the same page. That's, that's really well said. No, no two slates are ever the same. I understand the instinct because we just saw running backs that nobody was on do stuff. And we do have a lot of kind of question marks coming in at the running back position this week, but, to me, that just is going to lead some of the field away from the really strong running back plays. I think this is a week where I want to just get back to the basics and and play the running backs who look really good. So, yeah, I'm on the same page as Runback. I don't think that we need to get too cute with really off-the-wall running back plays on this slate in particular, which is strange for me to say on a, on a four-game slate because I typically love kind of off-the-wall plays. Uh, I'm not afraid You're to go well over the field. We do show. Yeah, I just I think that on, on this slate in particular, just looking at it right now, I feel like there are a lot of under own guys who aren't totally off the wall. So I don't think that it's totally necessary in this case. And we'll see. I could be completely wrong. We'll, we'll find out. It's actually a perfect segue into the last day I want to hit on with running backs. Get your guys' opinion on uh, both of your guys' opinion on this. Aaron Jones, we've got him like same ownership as Mitchell and a lot and almost you're close to Singletary. I, I can't help but think that comes down at his price point before a lot. Maybe I'm wrong. He's been splitting with with A.J. Dillon in a lot of spots. He's been getting less work on the ground than Dillon. Is there a possibility, Neil? Obviously, there's a possibility, but how are you playing this? That Aaron Jones took that week off against Detroit, week 18, then had a bye week. He'd been dealing with that nagging injury. Uh, He practiced on Tuesday this week for the first time in, like, what, two months? Is it possible that maybe Aaron Jones' workload does see a somewhat significant uptick in a home playoff game that they need to win, obviously need to win? Yeah, so so I heard uh, you had that same take uh, on on your matchup show. You, it's you really a question it because I yeah, don't yeah. know. You know what I mean? Right, like right. It's a possibility yeah, right. that I'm throwing out there. Okay, uh, so I will say yes. I, I mean, you said this also. Yes, obviously it's possibility. And I think that uh, th- there are situations where I would be more inclined to think that's what is going to happen. And if you were coming in, this is another spot where if you were coming in at 5% own, I would love to take shots on that possibility. The problem for me is that I kind of feel like AJ Dillon carved out a big role 
you know, even later in the season anyway. So I'm not sure yeah. that that Aaron Jones is necessarily the the number one alpha lead back here anyway. He might be. So, yeah, I think that, you know, if, if his ownership comes down low enough, then I will want to get over the field on Aaron Jones. It's a little bit tough for me in this particular spot where he is projected for 18% ownership going up against the number uh, number two rush DVOA defense in the Niners with AJ Dillon there, who I, I feel like AJ Dillon's a really talented back. I mean, he's a strong goal line back. He can catch the ball a little bit. So I feel like to me, I'm, I'm more inclined to go to AJ Dillon, but I kind of suspect that the field is going to get there too. I, right now we have Aaron Jones projected for more ownership, six, 5% more ownership than AJ Dillon. I would kind of be surprised if that holds. I, my expectation would be that AJ Dillon gets to higher ownership. If it doesn't, I'm just going to go to AJ Dillon. If he, if he's the lower on back, I'm going to get to more AJ Dillon. If this does flip, then I might, I might flip as well. Cause I think that you're right, that there's definitely some possibility there. Aaron Jones is also a really talented running back. So if he's not coming at high ownership, yeah, I'd, I'd definitely be willing to take that, those shots as well. Yeah. And Ryan, that was my thing. I was just, I was surprised to see that Jones was projecting for almost 20%. I really thought that at that price, kind of in like a no man's land, that he'd be getting less ownership than he currently is projected for. Yeah. So one thing about this uh, Packers team, I, I expect like a 55 45 split preferred to Aaron Jones, Aaron Jones, getting the passing down situations, passing script situations for Aaron Jones. I agree. Dylan's very talented at one point during the offseason last year. I thought they were not going to resign Aaron Jones. It was going to be the AJ Dillon show, but Hey, they paid him the bag. And um, a thing, and uh, one thing about, uh, I believe since Matt LaFleur has been there, uh, the Packers teams in playoffs have been in shootouts. Uh, The over has gone in all four games. And then uh, he's these Packers games in the playoffs have just kind of gone in a back and forth situation. And I'm kind of not as excited to go to this Packers running back. A it's a 55, 45 split. There's not a lead running back situation. I just want to target the pass game, uh, passing game uh, situation. That's how I'm a little off the running backs in green Bay, but Hey, can uh, one break it to the house and one take a couple one yard carries in the red zone? Yeah, definitely can pan out, but I, I want to target the pass game uh, for green Bay and uh, attack the secondary in San Francisco. All right. Oh, Hey, we got free content on the site today. NBA ownership rankings, PGA rankings, NHL player rankings, all of that good stuff entirely free. You don't need a sub or anything like that. But uh, if you do want to join us, get all of our content. I mentioned it earlier, so I won't run through it again, but all the tools for every sport, go to awesome.com slash join. You can do a week for just an express pass. You can do a full week, all sports monthly. If you want to make a legitimate investment, go for the full year. Uh, however you want to do it, we got you. Awesome.com slash join. You can do single sport, all season, all sports, whatever it is. Check it out. Uh, we got something for you no matter what. And if you have any questions, my DMs are open over at Lafayette underscore D. Mistakenly, but they are. All right. Uh, hey, when it comes to these stacks, right, are there any spots, Neil, that you think we can get different with without being dumb? Like our top stack tool has some low percentage Top stack probabilities. San Francisco's at 2%. Tennessee's pretty low at 5%. They're likely going to get Derrick Henry back in the mix. But then you've got this grouping of teams like Cincy and Green Bay and Tampa and Buffalo. They're all pretty, pretty similar. Even, even the Rams are sure 19%, but lower quarterback ownership. And, and to go back to something you mentioned, and both of us said at the top of the show, all of these teams are actually really easy to stack because outside of that top guy, the second or, or third option are all pretty affordable. And so many of them just aren't pulling a lot of ownership. Yeah. So I'm, I'm looking at, I'm trying to figure out which one is my favorite. Cause I think there are several options that you can go to that are a little bit off the wall. That wouldn't be that shocking if they put up a bunch of points. I feel like the Bengals are always that team. Like there's always, they always have the ability to put up 40 points in a game. So Joe Burrow, I think is a great option. He looks pretty good in the top stacks tool. Uh, projected he's top stack 10.7% of the time, but only owned 8.2% of the time. So I like Joe Burrow there. Uh, Matthew Stafford is one that I really like. He looks great in the top stacks. Well, and also the uh, boom bust tool. He looks really solid only projects for 11.3% ownership, but he's uh, the top stack 18.7% of the time. So yeah, I think those two are my favorites. Ryan Tannehill, I kind of like, but currently he looks a little bit over-owned according to the top stacks tool. Um, so I think that probably Stafford and Burrow are my favorites. Another thing that, so, so uh, I meant to, I meant to bring this up 
when we got to quarterback. So I wanted to see if you guys are uh, on the same page here. So I always look at both the boom bust tool and the top stack tool. And typically on a large slate, I factor in the top stack odds more so than the optimal odds when choosing quarterbacks. And then on small slates, I kind of flip it and go more to the optimal lineup percentage because you really need to get things perfectly on a small slate. Um, and I'm curious if you guys agree with that kind of thinking about uh, how you choose your quarterbacks and where you would go on a four game slate. Are you factoring in the, the top stack odds more or the optimal lineup percentage more when going to a quarterback? I'm, I'm just curious to hear your guys' thoughts on on this. Go ahead, Rampak. Yeah, so on a largest on a larger slate, I'm targeting the top stacks because I think I can just funnel out the bad ones who I don't think can really get there. One thing uh, in a smaller slate, I'll really weigh uh, Vegas totals a little bit more higher uh, than uh, than that. I just think if you get, I'm just going to follow like historically what's proven to be good, and then I'll naturally get more guys in higher scoring games. And then, yeah, I, I do think you are correct. And one thing I need to incorporate more in my process is incorporating an optimal percentage, especially in NFL shorter slates. So I do think that is a more uh, data-driven process that probably should pay off over the long haul. So I, I think that makes a lot of sense what you're doing. Something I want to incorporate more. It's just I don't have all the time of the day to make it happen. What do you think then, everybody, if we were to get a little sp- specific here with mm-hmm. the Rams? Yeah, Cup's going to be popular, but Stafford isn't that popular. Again, they, they, they are a pass-first team. Last week, they didn't need to be. They went up early. Murray was throwing live grenades out of his own end zone to the opposing team. I mean, it was terrible. Their offensive line couldn't stop the pass rush for the Rams. Just anything that could have gone wrong did go wrong for them. And they didn't need the, the Rams didn't need to throw the football. I don't, I, I don't anticipate that being anything close to the case this week. So you've got guys like Jefferson, who's been disappointing of late. Odell Beckham looked fine last week, got in the end zone, Tyler Higby, Cincinnati. You have Higgins coming off of a game where he was invisible. Uh, and then guys like Boyd and, and, and CJ, uh, you, Usoma, uh, and then Green Bay with outside outside of Devontae Adams, you've got Lazard and and whoever you want to talk about, like Josiah DeGuara and, and all of those guys. Are there any stacks that you like a lot based on how easy it is to get to the secondary options? Yeah, it's uh, it's Aaron Rodgers for me. Uh, it's the Rodgers okay. double. Uh, I don't think Marcus Valdez-Scantling is going to play. He's, I think, doubtful. Just one less target that you, uh, Aaron Rodgers, can sprinkle onto. That really boosts up Alan Lazard. Uh, I like uh, the Rodgers double. I, I think uh, Kellen Moore and the Cowboys really uh, messed up the other night, uh, not targeting the San Francisco secondary enough, uh, and the, but that was their fault. But I don't think Matt LaFleur is going to miss the opportunity to attack Josh Norman and Ambry Thomas. I, I love the Rodgers double. Probably personally my favorite stack compared to the, what the field is doing. Everyone and their mom is going to roster KC and Buffalo, but I think Rodgers, Adams, Lazard, uh, definitely has an upside to take things down on the slate. And not, I just think Adams is going to be pushing P all day. Uh, so give me Devontae Adams uh, in that stack as well. A lot of people, oh God. <laughs> a lot of people want uh, that Adams. And like in the main slate, maybe there's that main slate bias or I'm going to get my exposure to Rogers by playing Adams. And I can say the same thing about cup the other way around. I can get my exposure to Stafford, to cup. And I think it's more likely I get it from Cooper cup than I do Adams in the playoffs. That's how I personally feel, but I just think the ownership's up and the upside and the team total for the Packers is great. Give me the Rodgers double, and I'm going to run with that. I'm not going to lie. I had to ask Rimpack what push and pee meant before the show, and never in my life have I been so happy to not know what something was. You know, usually it's embarrassing. You feel less than, but at this time, I'm kind of, kind of, I mean, and you explained it to me, and I'm still not necessarily – so. I'm still not positive what it actually means. I think it means whatever you want it to mean, right? That, that's my, and it's good. That's my, that's my, my two takeaways. It okay, means whatever you good. want it to mean, and it's good. Those are my it's two good. takeaways. You want to be pushing P. You want to be pushing P. That's the thing. Okay. <laughs> we get it now. Yeah, sure. I mean, I, I guess. So, so it could literally be anything that's good. Yeah. Is that your interpretation or is that the, or, or the creator's? That's the creator's explanation. I don't know if you know the Breakfast Club, Charlemagne the God. He actually interviewed Gunna. I mean, come on. I don't live under a rock. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so he interv- interviewed Gunna because Gunna dropped the album, I want to say it was last week, and 
there's a lot of P references and he, Charlemagne was like, what's P and, and Gunnar broke it down. So I'll send you the interview if you want to take a look at it. And okay. The, okay. So Charlemagne didn't know what it was no. recently, until recently either. All right. Yeah. Not, no, no one really knew what it meant until he dropped his song. Everyone was like, what's P and then Charlemagne uh, interviewed him and asked him about it. All right. I'm not too far behind. Jordan Klein says you're correct. And, and obviously Jordan Klein would Jordan Klein has this absurd knowledge of all of this stuff. It's just like he's dialed into pop culture. I don't know if that's good or bad, but uh, I'm a Tulsa dog. Lafayette would rather be. <laughs> that's, that's a good one. Once in a while, I'm a Tulsa dog comes up with something hilarious. And today he is uh, he has hit the bullseye. All right, um, Neil, did you want to hit on any other any other specific stacks? I, I think this is such a big part of this slate, given that, you know, game stacking, stacking like onslaughts. Is there anything you want to hit on before we move on? No, I mean, so we haven't talked about the, the Bills Chiefs game. I just want to say that we're not talking about it because it's obvious and this is on the contrary. The Bills Chiefs game is, is going to look great because it's the highest scoring game on the slate. Both quarterbacks look great. But yeah, I think that we kind of hit on all of the interesting lower owned quarterbacks. I mean, you, you can play Tom Brady. We didn't really talk about Tom Brady much, um, but yeah, I think in general we, we covered it. They're all, all, all of the quarterbacks are in play this week. I think Jimmy Garoppolo is my least favorite, but other than Garoppolo, I kind of think all of them look really viable, look like nice plays. I, I've been mentioning throughout the week that Brady's passing prop, uh, pretty confident that it was going to continue to rise. It was at like 281 and a half earlier. It's up to 291 and a half and on the best place you'll find it. Uh, that's why, that's why odd shopper is awesome because we'll give you the best place to bet it. You don't actually have to look for it. We'll just show you where it is and you're going to get a couple yards, uh, maybe even several yards lower at some of these spots. Like, uh, yeah. Okay. 291. I, I still like the over. I, I think Brady goes cruises over 300 in this game Four thirty-four last time he faced the Rams. You could see a legitimate shootout. My only concern. Ryan is we got to pay attention to this offensive line. Like Werfs went down last game. Uh, Jensen went down. I know he's back or he's back at practice, but I don't know if he's, if he's going to play, if those guys are out, it could actually spell some real issues, especially against this defensive line for the Rams. Yeah. I mean, if without Tristan Wirfs, I mean, Tristan Wirfs is stud. He did try to come back and play that game. He did not look good. I hope he can go for Tampa Bay's sake, but I mean, with no Tristan Wurst, you're going to have Von Miller, uh, with uh, Aaron Donald just coming at you. Tom Brady's going to have some trouble. So yeah, that's a big, that's a big, uh, that's a big piece of news. And it'll, Tristan Wurst being there just upgrades that whole offense a lot. And a matchup that we didn't touch on is the Ramsey and Mike Evans situation. And I don't know if Ramsey's going to follow him around. Uh, Evans has struggled against Ramsey in a couple games he's played. I think it's like only five catches and 41 yards combined. That's another situation where is, is the ball going to go to Gronk more? And the thing is, uh, with all with the Tampa Bay team decimated, the se- like the secondary stack is like obviously we can go Brady, Evans, and Gronk, but the likes of Scotty Miller, Brashad Perriman, it makes things a little more difficult to find that other secondary stack where you got to kind of pick your poison. And I'm not sure how that's going to really pan out. Neil, do you have any way that's going to go? Yeah, not really. (laughs) I think is the answer. I was looking at snap rates this morning to try to figure out who I would want to go to other than Mike Evans. And I'm, you know, nobody is really, I guess, I guess Tyler Johnson played 77% of the snaps last week. So I kind of want to go to Tyler Johnson. He looks really nice in the boom bust tool. Um, But yeah, I mean, typically we don't focus too much on individual matchups, right? In if, when we're choosing our receivers, but Jalen Ramsey kind of he he kind of has this history of shutting down top receivers, so I don't think that it's too crazy to factor that in in a case like this. Um, and I don't know if it really makes me like any of the other receivers more. It kind of depends on how much work they're going to get. Uh, in this case, I guess Tyler Johnson just at at seventy seven percent snap rate. I guess I kind of like that. He looks great in the boom bust tool. He's only projected for 5.3% ownership right now. So, yeah, I'm going to really like Tyler Johnson uh, if, if he stays this low. Rashad Perriman got 49% of the snaps against the Eagles, uh, only projected for 2.9% ownership. So I don't think it's the craziest thing in the world to go to a Brady stack with no Evans. Just load up on Gronk and Johnson Perriman. Even Scotty Miller, he only played 26% of the snaps last week, but he might just be still kind of working his way into the rotation. So maybe he's going to get more going forward. Um, yeah, I, I don't hate the idea of 
taking, you know, making the assumption that Jalen Ramsey is going to play Mike Evans and go into some of these lower owned receivers in his stacks, I don't think is the worst idea in the world. One thing I'd also want to see, just want to talk on the popular game, but there is ways to get contrained in popular games is uh, the Mike uh, Cole Beasley situation. And we saw Isaiah McKenzie jump in snap rate and snap counts and targets over the towards the end of the season. He had obviously had that huge breakout game uh, when uh, the wide receivers were down with the uh, COVID protocols. But if Spagnuolo goes for the man coverage look against Buffalo, I mean, is it, I, I do think it has to be McKenzie based on recent play. And I, I think that's one way to get really different is an Allen McKenzie knock stock or even just having McKinsey in your Allen's, Allen stack. I don't know how much of the field is going to react to this, and uh, I, I need to pull up our ownership projections, but how do you feel 5. about 7. Isaiah? Sorry? 5.7 right now, projected ownership for Isaiah McKenzie. Yeah. And so Beasley that, only ran eight routes last week. Yeah, so I'm very concerned on the Cole Beasley situation. Sanders obviously uh, is the other guy there, but Isaiah McKenzie intrigues me, and uh, in a situation against the KC defense – I, I can see McKenzie just carving out a carving out a passing game in the slot. I think it's viable. I also think if if you get a guy like Alan Lazard, as as you mentioned earlier, as as low owned as he, we haven't projected right now. I know Randall Cobb is coming back, but Lazard's been a legitimate threat in the red zone, which is kind of important when you're getting those cheap players because you need a touchdown out of them. Uh, so I don't think it's crazy to look at some of those cheap options as, as viable, especially with running back not having a ton, assuming everyone comes back healthy. But, um, Neil, we got a few minutes to go here. Uh, do we have anything coming up after us, Tyler? Like right after us? No? Okay, so we go a couple of minutes late since we started a few minutes late. The 6K receiver range is stacked. We talked about Evans. He did have eight for eight receptions for over 100 yards in that week three matchup earlier this year, but – Godwin was on the field. Antonio Brown wasn't. Uh, and I don't know if Ramsey uh, shadows him. I really don't know. And I also don't know if Brady's going to have to get the ball out earlier if his offensive line isn't holding up. I think he'll be able to, but I think it could be an issue. But still, the 6K range is crazy. You have Tyreek Hill. You have A.J. Brown. You have Stefan Diggs at a mid-6K price point. You have um, – uh, who, who else am I missing? There's another one in here. Who's the, who's the um. other one? You're talking My, above between uh, six and seven K. Yeah. Yeah. So it's Evans Hill, Diggs, AJ Brown, all of those guys. Yep. Really interesting spot. And then Chase, Jamar Chase is a little bit more expensive and he's kind of going overlooked in ownership projections right now as well. The whole range is just loaded. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I talked about how it kind of like the Burrow stack. I feel like both ends of the 6K range, I want to go to Jamar Chase and T. Higgins for the Bengals. Both look great in the boom bust tool. I feel like people are going to be afraid of T. Higgins. And and maybe maybe I'm avoiding your question a little bit. If, if, if I'm going right in that 6K range, it's probably Tyreek Hill is my favorite. He's the only one with a positive leverage score in the boom bust tool. He's optimal 29.6% of the time in the boom bust tool, which is the highest of all of the receivers uh, between six and seven K. But I think that I want to go even more so just outside of the six to seven K range and go to Jamar Chase and T Higgins, just because T Higgins was such a letdown last week. And I had him in most of my lineups. Like I had more than 50% uh, T Higgins on both sites. And I think a lot of people went heavy on T Higgins and he put up 1.5 fantasy points. I think that was DraftKings. So in full point PPR, I think he put up 1.5. I might be wrong about that. Either way, it was a huge dud, which is going to, I think, drive ownership down. And he currently looks incredible in the boom bust tool uh, projector, only 17% ownership, but optimal 27% of the time. Uh, I think T Higgins is probably going to be my favorite wide receiver on this slate again. And then Jamar Chase, like you said, is, is right there as well. He's just over that threshold. He's at 7,100, uh, but only project for 14% ownership and optimal 20% of the time. So both of them, they're two of the most positive leverage plays on the slate. So, I mean, maybe that'll lead me to more Joe Burrow as well, just because I like those two receivers so much. It's pretty easy to throw a low on Joe Burrow in there to make a nice little stack. Um, so yeah, I guess, I guess my answer is if it's between six, and 7k Tyreek Hill is my favorite uh, but I'd rather go just outside to those Bengals receivers Ryan are, are there any spots of wide receiver in any range maybe in that same range we talked about too that you think just aren't getting enough love right now that are high ceiling options that you want to get to yeah I think you touched on some great uh great points with the Bengals receivers there Neil I think the Bengals team is going to have trouble with the run game and it's going to and Cincinnati has, uh, over the course of the season, has become a more pass-heavy team. 
and guys like obviously recency bias with T Higgins just absolutely dropping a donut the other day. Uh, Tyler Boyd. I like all those receivers there, but I think my favorite guy to go to is probably uh, Stefan Diggs, uh, 6,500. Uh, one thing, uh, the bills, uh, obviously they're without Trey white, but their defense has never allowed more than two passing touchdowns in all 18 games this season that they played. So, uh, that reason alone is I'm probably going to say pretty bold fade later in the show, but, I really like going to Stefan Diggs in that game, and uh, he stands stands out at that price tag. Give me sixty five hundred dollars, Stefan Diggs. His upside is also through the roof. All right, I love it. It's been a good show, fellas. Jordan um, Jordan Klein just texted me, and like if my phone is closed, Siri will read the text to me, which can be super annoying during shows, right? Especially given that it's a female Australian accent, and it said definition of pushing. And then it said parking sign emoji. So apparently that's a parking sign emoji. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay, that makes even more sense. Um, oh, I had one more question before we get to our, our pivots, our fades, and our favorite bets of the week. We have some good ones pulled from Odd Shopper. Check Seriously, if you like betting and maybe you're in New York or whatever state and it just got opened up, or even if it's not yet and you want to familiarize yourself with it or even use it for DFS research, uh, Odd Shopper is totally free. Give you the expected win rate on every bet, expected ROI. We use our projections. We put them on the page, the same ones that we have over at Awesomeo. Uh, and we just aggregate all of the sites that you can play, that you can bet on and give you where the best bet is. So you don't have to shop around yourself. You literally click two buttons and you're in. Uh, it might not seem like a lot, but getting in on the best line of every bet is so much more important than you think in the long run uh, when it comes to being a profitable better uh, over the long term. So seriously, check it out. I think you'll love it. I mean, I use it literally every day. I use the Parlay Builder almost every day, which builds the best parlays for you. Uh, even if you're not sold, check it out. It's free. I, I think you're going to end up loving it if you like betting. So we'll get to those bets uh, momentarily. But Neil, the one question I have to ask here, I can't, I cannot let this go. What do we do with Debo, who is a beast on the ground, but his passing, his passing, or his, his uh, receiving volume has been so low lately? And what do we do with George Kittle, who playing almost 100% of snaps, still running a lot of routes, but man, he's just run blocking a ton. My concern is if this is a neutral game script, we see more of the same with a lot of Kittle blocking, plenty of runs for Debo, but not a lot of passing volume. Yeah, so I think I'm a little bit more afraid to play George Kittle than I am Debo Samuel. Yeah. Uh, I played a ton of George Kittle last week, and I think that you're right that that is a concern here is that they're just going to be rushing the ball a lot, having Kittle doing a lot of blocking. With Debo Samuel, I've had kind of the same take for several weeks in a row. I think a lot of people are afraid of the fact that we don't know how he's going to get the ball. We don't know if he's going to be rushing it. We don't know if he's going to be catching it. And I, my take keeps on being, I don't really care. As long as they're trying to get Debo Samuel the ball, as long as they understand that he is their best playmaker and they're, and they're trying to get him involved, I'm going to keep going back to Debo Samuel. We only have project for a 13.8% ownership. He actually doesn't look great in the boom bust tool. He's only optimal 8% of the time. I think that that's a spot where I'm willing to get even with the field, uh, despite being a negative play in the boom bust tool, just because, if he is rushing the ball, he's rushing the ball, rushing the ball against the Packers and their atrocious rush defense. If he's receiving the ball, he's getting PPR points at 7,600. I just think that he is a dynamic enough player and they understand that he's their best player. So I think I'm going to be going to Debo Samuel uh, plenty in this spot with George Kittle. Uh, it's a little bit tougher for me just because he might not really be involved all that much offensively. He looks a lot better in the boom bust tool. So you know, I, I typically I like to go with the boom bust. Well, I'm not going to go. I'm not going to full fade George Kittle when he has a positive leverage score in the boom bust. Well, project for 20% ownership, but optimal 23% of the time. He's only 5,300. So that, that's the spot that's like, man, it's really hard to not play. You just see George Kittle at 5,300 at 20% ownership. My instinct is I want to go to a George Kittle you know, hundred percent in a spot like that. Uh, but I have the same concerns that you do is that they're just not going to be throwing it to him. I think I'm going to be probably close to even with the field on Kittle as well. So, so I guess the, the, my ultimate answer for both of them is I'm probably going to be about even with the field. If the field is where they are right now. Um, I, I think they're both fine plays, uh, but the field is kind of getting there about as much as they should be. How about you, Rimpak? Yeah. I mean, if San Francisco wants to win the game, they got to get the ball to their best player. That's Debo Samuel. Uh, he's, he's a wide back at this point. He's, uh, the 
it's like he's he like Cordero Patterson, but he's mo- so much better than Cordero Patterson. So many different facets. And uh, yeah. And I think George Kittle for, uh, I just kind of think he's going to block so much more than get involved in the pass game. He's a great tournament play, especially when you get to only roster one tight end across the sites, George Kittle has the upside of being the raw scoring um, tight end um, by a few points. I remember we see the Kittle game where Kittle was the highest scoring player on the slate. So we maybe are selling him a little short on the upside Kittle has. And it, I don't think it's going to take much to get over the field on a guy like him. And I, I still like Samuel as, as is. I expect this game to go back and forth uh, and then to get involved in the pass game as well. So I like getting a bit above the field on both those guys. I have no issues doing so because I really like the Green Bay side of things. And it's naturally going to organically force me to play some of these guys a little bit more as well. I think you talked right. me into him, by the way. I think I think I'm going to go over the field on Kittle as well. Just it's it's too too crazy to go under the field at twenty percent at fifty three hundred. So I think I think I'm with Rinpak on that. Yeah, our projections love him too. I mean, we had him last week projected pretty high. Uh, we have him well over that forty seven and a half yard receiving or receptions prop. Sorry, receiving yards prop. Uh, we got him at sixty two yards right now. So yeah, if you're going back to the well with George Kittle, you would certainly be aligned with all of our tools and projections at Osmo, which usually isn't a bad thing. All right, let's wrap this up, fellas. My favorite part of the show here, the part where we got to put our money where our mouths are. And before we do, we got we're 11 likes away from 100. We got over 300 people watching. If you haven't done so yet, it's all right. We forgive you, but uh, atone for your sins by getting us into the triple digits. If you're on the app, click out of the chat for a second. Hit that thumbs up, pop right back in there, whatever you have to do. Uh, You know, help us get things done around this way. Keep the lights on. Thank you in advance. We'll get there. All right, uh, Rimpak, let's go to you first. Favorite fade, favorite pivot of the week off of that fade and your top bet for the divisional round weekend. All right, so I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to say the bet first. My favorite bet is the under on Joe Burrow rushing yards. I think the line comes in I think 9 and a half or 10 and a half in some places. I know it's a scary bet, but I do think uh it, I don't think Burrow has been scrambling as much over the last 6 or 7 weeks at all, so I will take the under on Burrow rushing yards. Now we'll go to the top eight, and it hurts for me to say this. Uh, if there's one player that has gave me the most success in NFL DFS, it's Pat Mahomes, and it's the Pat Mahomes double. But I'll be fading Pat Mahomes this weekend, and my pivot will be the Aaron Rodgers uh, double stack. All right. I love that. What about you, Neil? What do we got? Yeah, so my favorite bet of the week is A.J. Dillon over 39 and a half rush yards. Uh, you can find that on FanDuel. We've got it in the... Uh, odd shopper tool as a 37% positive expected ROI and a 73% win rate. I think that if he's getting 45% of the carries, which is kind of what we're expecting him to get, I think that he's going to get over 39.5 rush yards, even against San Francisco. So I think that's my favorite bet of the week is AJ Dillon over 39.5 rush yards. My favorite pivot is probably from Leonard Fournette to Eli Mitchell. I like Leonard Fournette plenty too, but he is the highest owned running back on the slate. So when I'm talking about a pivot, it's when I'm trying to get away from that high owned uh, player. And Eli Mitchell is just a hundred dollars more in salary than Leonard Fournette. So I think that uh, that would be my favorite pivot. My favorite fade, probably Cam Akers. Uh, he actually looks really good in the pool. Ah, uh, you took so. it from me, Neil. Oh, man, I'm sorry. Should, should I try to find another? No, no, about- no, 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 no. I'm okay. just, we're on all the right. same page. It's a good all right, all right. Same page. We, we can be on the same page. Yeah, Cam Akers, he actually looks great in the boom bust tool. So, um, you know, it's hard It's hard to go against boom bust tool on, on something like this. But I just think that at 5,500, getting the ownership that he's getting against the Bucks, I don't, I don't love that. I'll probably be a little bit under the field there. Um, and then favorite stack, I'll go, I'll go with my Joe Burrow Bengals stack. I just think that I really like the receivers. Joe Burrow is not getting a ton of ownership. So I think I'll go with that, that Joe Burrow stack. I love it. Yeah. I, it was going to be one for me, the cam acres. And this is obviously given our current ownership projections, you know, things can change. We're still uh, a day away and you know, they're always in flux, especially as news breaks. And, and as we adjust everything leading up to lock. Like if you're looking at ownership projects, if you're a premium sub, you guys already know the the closer we get to lock, the better they're going to be. But these still give us a pretty good baseline. I'll still go with Acres, Neil. I don't mind being on the same side as you. Uh, and my pivot, if he's really going to be almost identically owned, it's going to be Eli Mitchell. I mean, I I just it's so hard for me to get away from a guy that over his last like six or seven games is averaging 24 carries. So yeah, not a lot of passing down work. 
but the volume is just locked in. It is a markedly better matchup against this Green Bay team whose biggest deficiency on defense is their ground game. Tampa Bay, man, that they haven't been at, quite as good on the uh, at defending the run, but they are still very, very good. And Cam Akers is still only five and a half months removed or six months now from a, a ruptured Achilles. I mean, credit to the guy for coming back, but I, I just think Mitchell's a much better play than Akers. And while you have Debo, Akers still has Sonny Michelle, who could vulture a lot of opportunities. And favorite bet, I got two of them I'll throw out there. First one, I already mentioned Brady over 291 and a half passing yards. I think actually at points bet, or I forget which one it was, you can get it at 285 and a half now. Uh, so it came down a little bit. I just think he has to throw a lot. I think they're going to want to throw a lot. And if Fournette plays, uh, it's not the, the, the highest, you know, it's not the most viable receptions, but he's probably going to be focused uh, a big part of the, the offense in the passing game as well. And it's Tom Brady. Uh, and then Brandon Ayuk under four and a half receptions. I think all of us agree the way to win this game for San Francisco is to keep it on the ground, especially with Garoppolo dealing with not only that thumb injury, but now an injury in his throwing shoulder. I mean, that's troublesome right there. So if I can go under five, essentially under five receptions on Brandon Ayuk, uh, I'll take that all day long. And Odd Shopper seems to love it as well. Neil, tell everybody where they can find you, man. You can find me on Twitter at PlayerQDFS, and you can find my content right here on the Osmo channel. Rimpack, what do you got going on, man? Yeah, you can follow me on Rimpack. Uh, I, I do the uh, NBA slate starter on, on a week, every weekday uh, throughout the NBA season with Eric Lindquist. You can catch me there. I'll hop on some deeper dives and whatnot, but I'm here. You can catch me there, and uh, everyone better be pushing P this weekend. <laughs> However you interpret it. All right. This has been a lot of fun, guys. Thanks, as always, for hanging out. Neil, Ryan, thanks for jumping on with us, especially you, Ryan. This was late notice. Great show from both of you guys. And to all of you out there, good luck this weekend. We'll be back with you tomorrow. Got a string of shows. Got a ton of shows on Sunday. And, Neil, you're, are you on the strategy show again later today? I am. I'm on later today with Greg. Got plug that, man. I can't Sorry. be plugging stuff for I'll be, you. I'll be doing uh, another show later today. I'm on a show again tomorrow. I'm on the deeper dive with Greg. So you can go. find okay. me there. Yeah, check all that good stuff out. We'll catch you guys back here to close out on the contrary for the season next week, presented by Prize Picks. Peace.